T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Washington training camp live on a game day. So hope you're listening quick. This podcast probably is going to be dated by the time uh, the game happens tonight. Craig Hoffman with you Mondays and Fridays live streaming one o'clock on the Odyssey app. And with me for the second time on this podcast, Logan, I wish this was me being able to go first repeat guest, but Russell, Russell bailed me out of a bad spot on Monday. So I, I, somehow you wound up second to Chris Russell. That, that, yeah, that Russell should not be something that's taken though. personally. He's a good guy for that, so I'll, I'll play second fiddle with Chris Russell. Okay. Uh, I would not let anybody record that you just said that. Uh, that around our radio stations uh, is, is a piece of audio you don't want floating. We'll keep it That's hidden true. here in the podcast. But uh, my co-host for pregame this season uh, on 106.7 The Fan and the Team 980, as well as, of course, uh, slightly more impressive on the resume, a decade-plus NFL veteran, Logan Paulson, is with me. And, and Logan, it's, it's preseason game number two, uh, which typically in, in what – we've known of the NFL uh, for the entire time that I've been covering that you were playing in it and, and are now covering it was kind of the first time you'd see the starters. But instead this is, I, I don't know, it's this preseason game number three. Like how do how do you think teams around the league are going to treat uh preseason game number two? Now that it is two of three instead of two of four. Yeah. I think this is a game. I think, you know, for all intents and purposes, the first preseason game was, uh, you know, of, of the old regime of the old guard was just kind of, uh, let your starters sit, you know what I mean? They might play a series, you know, we're talking five plays. Second preseason game, that would be maybe two series, 14 plays, 20 plays, something like that. Then for the third one, you're getting into a half, maybe the start of the third quarter just to get them used to coming out for halftime. But now I think, you know, you lose that game where no one's really um, hanging out anymore in, in the first preseason game. The, the the first the current first preseason game the one the Washington football team played against the New England Patriots that kind of played more like a second preseason game so I would imagine that the third preseason game will uh or yeah the second preseason game of the new era will play like the third preseason game right so they'll probably play a half you know I mean if Ron Rivera's tick they might come out for the second uh, start of the third <laughs> quarter but you know I would expect them if they play like they did the other night to you know be in and out pretty quickly and uh, on to the next yeah I mean. It's um, it's interesting too because the four what is now the the final preseason game there we'll we'll go that terminology that's that's less confusing yes, the final preseason game it, it used to be the week before the season and it was kind of the last chance for coaches to get that final cut down decision um, data you know intaked into their brains uh, of that that last game and now there is a bye week in between so if you were 
putting together that strategy as well, like with that factor of like, okay, well, if we don't play in this last preseason game, our guys aren't going to play for a couple of weeks before the season opener. Like, would you play your guys in the last one? Like, how, I, or do you just like, cause, cause I guess what I'm getting to is the, even though it's three games versus four, I think um, making comparisons is almost silly because the strategy based off of number of games and timelines is just completely different. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I don't think I realized that. I mean, I should have because uh, I was talking to somebody the other day and they mentioned that to me. So shame on me. But yeah, I think that's <laughs> I think that's a great point, though. Uh, the fact that you have a little bit of a layover between seasons. Like I know coaches like in season, they hate when you have a bye week because they feel like guys get out of a rhythm. So they try to find ways to carry that rhythm, you know, if, especially if a group's playing well together. I would imagine they try to carry that rhythm from the preseason to the regular season. So maybe, I mean, that's that's a great point. Maybe you end up seeing uh, the last preseason game of this year playing, you know, like them playing a half. You know, maybe tonight they don't play that much. Just in an effort to kind of keep the the trajectory and the momentum of of what this team's doing and how they're building and how they're growing and not have too long of a layoff before the first game. We'll dive back into what we expect to see tonight in a few, but I'm curious because um, you've been around this team now in person doing some stuff with them and, and Julie in the media department. Um, and, and you've obviously had a chance to, to watch and observe Ron Rivera for a year plus. And I was just reading over some of the transcripts from his press conference and he, he, he got real deep into some of the X's and O's. I mean, for a, a press conference, got deep into some of the X's and O's and kind of got, you know, football nerdy in, in some ways and some answers this week in a way that I haven't seen a ton for him. He's normally pretty top line. And right. even in talking to some folks that used to be in the building, they didn't seem to think he was like a lot of what makes Ron Rivera a good coach is like the motivational type of stuff. Um, obviously he played, obviously there's a baseline of X's and O's you have to understand as a head coach, but I'm, I'm just curious of your impression of him as kind of a, a schematics guy, a scheme guy, a, an X's and O's guy now at the head coaching level where he, you know, he's talking about not just offensive or defensive stuff, which is obviously where he made his bones as defensive coordinator. Um, even though he's given a lot of that responsibility, I think people should understand here, you know, Jack Del Rio is doing a lot of the schematic stuff. Um, but, you know, talking about some of the offensive players and how they're fitting into that scheme, um, where it's supposed to like, you know, when Jay was here, Jay would not even pretend to know what was going on on defense. He's like, yeah, you'll have to talk to the, the, the DC about that. Yeah, so I think people would be surprised. Uh, you know, every head coach is a little different, but most head coaches, like Mike Shanahan is the one that comes to mind. Like, he knew a lot of football, but they're, like, kind of a step removed, right? So, like, in terms of, like, the X's and O's, like the nitty-gritty alignments, formations, positions, all that kind of stuff, they, they're not super well-informed. So oftentimes when they're making statements like that, they're just kind of – they're speaking in, like, total generalities, which I think is fine because they're in more of, like, an administrator position, right? They're managing mm -hmm. the offense, they're managing the defense, they're managing the special teams. And it doesn't behoove them to be, like, super ingrained or super invested in one element too much, right? Obviously, there's examples like Kyle Shanahan, for example, who's the – offensive coordinator and the head coach but oftentimes to support that structure they have like a uh, some type of assistant or some type of offensive coach that kind of runs the meeting or does something in the stead of Kyle Shanahan right so I think um, with Ron you know doing a good job of kind of having an overarching view of the team right unlike you mentioned the comparison to Jay right where he's kind of needle nose focused on one thing specifically right and you know this is just kind of my rule of thumb just when I hear a press conference like I don't really listen to anything they say. You know what I mean? Like there are some guys that really like get really tied into words and you said this, you did this, but like, I think what you realize is like a lot of times they're just saying stuff in kind of a general way um, based on the structure of the question. You know what I mean? 
And I think that it's uh, it can be somewhat somewhat misleading if you lean too much on that. You kind of got to look at it in aggregate. Like, what's the OC saying? What's the defensive coordinator saying? I tend to like hang on that a little bit more specifically because they're dealing with those groups every single day. And while Ron might know what's going on, he's not going to know the same way those guys know. And he's not going to – he's just going to be more general information and kind of like more of a of a gut reaction, I guess, is, is why I would be reluctant to like anything he says specifically. Yeah. Um, I, it's why I, th- I thought some of the detail he gave was actually insightful, which is rare in a press conference. You know? like he was asked about, <laughs> what did he, say? What did he, uh, say? he, he, like he was asked about William Jackson, right. And, and why did, yeah. why were you guys so interested in him? And he talked about, I mean, and again, this is pretty basic stuff to someone like you, who is so invested in, in the nitty gritty details of what your job was for a decade in the NFL. Um, but for the, I think the average fan or even a lot of media members, it's like, Oh, well, that was that was more than surface level. We were just talking right. about, you know, we saw him play a ton of zone uh, in Cincinnati. We're going to have him play more man. And like we saw characteristics that we think will translate. And it's different playing with your back to the quarterback versus really having eyes forward and understanding the route combinations in front of you because you don't really care when you're a man to man. Like you need to follow your dude, whatever route he takes versus you know, understanding what route combinations might be trying to manipulate you and get you out of position. And I, th- I just thought that was was interesting. But I to your larger point, um, when I wanted a soundbite, I asked a question in a press conference. And when I wanted information, I talked to someone on the side or texted them because I knew right. that. Yeah, because that's where you're going to get the, the scoop. But and also, to be fair, like if you look at Cincinnati last year, I think they had like one of the I don't know. I don't want to speak out of turn because I haven't looked this up in a while, but I think they had one of the highest percentages of like man to man coverage of any team, at least in that division. And so one of the things was like, can William Jackson come to um, Washington and play zone comfortably after playing all this man-to-man coverage? So, you know, for Ron to kind of cite the reference and then, you know, see, like to me, I, I look at it as a change in philosophy for the Washington football team a little bit. I look as they're kind of going from like a, a, a team that had to play a lot of zone because they didn't have enough like dynamic cover guys. Now you bring in uh, Jackson, you bring in St. Juice, and now you can run it a little bit more man coverage. You feel a little bit more comfortable exploring the advantages that those types of coverages give you. So even that answer to me is like a little bit muddled. You know what I mean? And I understand you're trying to yeah. get to learn how to play zone, but like it's not misleading, but I like, I think it's, it's very, it, it doesn't kind of get to the truth of what's happening in my opinion. Yeah, and that's something that Ron actually touched on. The follow-up question to the question about Jackson was about them being so zone-heavy last year. And in order to not be a horrendously boring podcast, I will not read the entire quote, but I have the transcript up in front of me. Um, So I'll read the beginning of it. Um, And Ron was like, yeah, we did, and referencing playing a lot of zone last year. And he goes, that was one of the things that Jack really wanted to change, give him more options, more tools. So when we get a guy like William Jackson, he's sitting there and we're going, God, this is a guy we got to target. Let's do that. That's what we did. Jack, when you look at the scripts from practice, you see that combination, you see the mixture. And he talks about, uh, to, to summarize the rest of the very long answer, how some days they work on all zones, some days it's all man, some days it's a third of this, a third of that, and a third of the other thing. And, and so they try to script it out to get guys reps and all those different things. And I, and I think that like that, in a way, is actually an insightful thing for fans to understand the level of detail that goes into a practice plan. Because that was the kind of thing that I, I was like, why do you why do you guys spend so much time going over literally every rep? And the reason is, is because you want it to practice very specific outcomes with a specific personnel in order that you're prepared. And, and they've seen those things before they go out there in the uncontrolled environment of game day. 
Yeah, it's such a weird thing, scripting a prayer. And, uh, and you're right. That act, that answer is, I think, very insightful, Byron. I think it gives you kind of a, a peek behind the scenes a little bit, like, you know, in, in a lot of ways to kind of this transition in their defense philosophy. And, like, you saw that in the first preseason game. So it's kind of cool to see that what he's saying is lining up with what you're seeing on the field. And, like, that's that feels good to me. But, yeah, you're right. The the preseason or the, the practice scripting is so challenging because you literally cannot run every single play that you have installed, right? And even if you're a defense, like you have to run certain defenses versus certain coverages and certain uh, versus certain formations, excuse me. And so like you you try to get them as many looks versus certain formations as you can, but you can't prepare for everything, right? You kind of say, what is the, like you triage, you're like what is the most important thing we have to get done? Can we get that done to a high enough level where we feel good about them doing that? And give them enough supplemental information in the meetings where they can say, oh, um, you know, if, if we do get this look, if we do get this from, we do get this personnel, how do you match this defense? And, like, it's incredibly complicated and incredibly taxing because you only get a certain amount of bullets in your gun, right, for yep. for, for getting ready for the game or ready for practice or getting ready for the season. So you got to really make sure you prioritize what you want to prioritize and get good at what you want to get good at. And then you have goofballs like Will Compton who find the practice script, read it, and then go screw up the entire practice. And then all of a sudden they go from practice squad to making the roster. He yes, he admitted I mean, to that. I mean, that was something so that was always I'm not I'm not spilling secrets. No, no, I was super like, you know, it's always super tempting to do that. You know what I mean? To kind of get the practice script and be like, oh, I can, this is a this is a Mike Sam blitz here. Like I know on this protection, I'm gonna have to end up blocking the Sam or I'm gonna have to, you know the quarterback's going to check right. the protection and we're going to be here because it makes you look better. But like, ultimately you got to kind of be honest <laughs> with yourself and be like, I need this for me too. Like on the day in the, in the, in the context of uh, on the, in the game, if they were to present this, what I know what to do. And so, yeah, it's, it's super tempting to do that, but um, I don't know. Will did that. Did you talk to him? Have you talked to him about yeah, that? Yeah. He, he admitted it. Uh, he, he's yeah. like, yeah, I, I figured out how to get the practice script. And then like, cause it, for him, like, what was best for Will was making the team. He wasn't right. concerned about playing. So um, smart guy. What can I tell you? I mean, he's a very smart guy. And like, you know, it showed up on the field in a lot of ways. So for sure, for sure. All right. Uh, as to the game tonight, Washington football, Cincinnati. Uh, what What's like the the top line item that, that you're looking to see, whether it's something to, to grow on from week one or whether it's something that you didn't get to see, get to see that you'd like to. So kind of like multiple levels here. Like one, I'd like to see the offense continue to operate smoothly. I'd like to see Fitzpatrick continue to look confident in control, on rhythm, on schedule, on timing with all of the receivers. That was really good to see. But he only had, you know, eight throws and five completions. So, you know, you'd want to see like a bigger sample size and make sure that that's hashing out appropriately. I'd like to see a little bit better efficiency on third down. I mean, like who wouldn't? Like that's like classic football, like coach speak. One thing that kind of stood out to me after re-watching the game was the run game a little bit. They are a very gap-heavy system, so like like down blocks, you're pulling guards, and very physical kind of mentality-style running. And I thought the mentality was there, you know, so the toughness, the physicality uh, was there for the run games. So I just felt like they were missing technically on some stuff, you know, and like that happens, right? You haven't played against this front before. You know, New England runs an odd front um, with three down linemen and four linebackers. Um, Washington runs a four down front with three linebackers. So like the rules are a little different and you can just tell they weren't super comfortable. Right. And that, that's, a, that's a factor of being in preseason. So I'd like to see that be a little bit sharper in this game, right? Cincinnati's a four down front. 
Let's see how they look. Let's make sure that's dialed in. Um, defensively, it's kind of the reverse, right? I thought they were pretty consistent in terms of like bend but don't break. I was impressed with the coverage. I thought they did a really nice job. The thing that was those aggressive, challenging guys on the outside, uh, from a run game standpoint, I thought they struggled a little bit, you know, and like that was kind of one of the last year was that they would kind of slowly hemorrhage runs. So I give new all those different things, but like you'd like to see them answer the bell a little bit better. And I'm not saying they were playing soft or anything like that. Like that's not what I'm saying in the least. I just think from a technical, like I was watching some clips the other day and like the linebackers, you know, not understanding how to like align to a fullback, right? The backfield, like that's one kind of simple thing. Like Washington doesn't have a fullback. They don't use a fullback a ton. So like they don't have to match that look a lot. And New England's one of the only teams that does that in the NFL still. I mean, Tennessee, maybe uh, Minnesota, but and San Francisco. But, you know, like it's something they're going to see. It's something you have to get used to. So I'd like to see that. But I'd say overall, um, yeah, th- those are kind of the major things that I'd like to see. Uh, and then obviously the kicking game with special teams. Like I'd like to see that just be more efficient. Um, you know, I'm not going to crush Hop here because I like Hop. Like, you know, I played with him when I was here. Yeah. Um, and I know he's got a lot of stuff going on, but like, you know, whether that's the operation or whether it's him, you'd like to see that be a little bit smoother. Yeah. I, I we talked about that on Monday's show. I just appreciate Ron's patience with that. Like yeah. most coach, I feel like coaches have such short fuses with kickers and it's like, you just think there's a bunch of NFL quality kickers hanging out out there that can equally come in and, and get the rhythm and the timing. And he's like, no, he's a good kicker. Um, it's new timing. It's new rhythm. He knows what's wrong. And I, that's something I always appreciate about hop. And um, I told this story on the pod on Monday. I'm curious your reaction to this as like, as a former player um, who I'm sure at some point in your career was frustrated with a kicker. Um, but uh, hop would tell me like, I'll tell you what happened, but like, you can't print this because people are just going to think I'm making excuses. And he'd be like, well, so the timing here, my plant leg, like, I know what I need to do. I need to just rep it and like, it'll be fine. But I appreciated that, that he looked at it as a technical thing as opposed to the same way that like, if you ran a route short, you know, right. it's, it's the same thing. It's just that nobody understands kickers. And so they're like, ah, stupid kicker. You need to make the kick. Yeah. I, th- I think what, like, obviously early in your career, you have like a, or my career anyway, I can't speak for everybody. Like there's like this adversarial relationship with kickers because they, they don't they don't practice they just kind of stand aside the they joke off and like they do whatever they do and then i had the conversation with the special teams coach who i respect a ton and he was like a kicker is like a golfer or like and if anyone's golfed right you know mm-hmm. how nuanced that is like the way the club head is like your approach all of those different things and imagine having to be like nine out of ten on your driver like every single game and a thousand people are you know hundreds of thousands millions of people are watching you and then you have to do it while people are trying to attack the ball and attack your process and so when i put it when i got it in that context you really understand how challenging it is for those guys to be so incredibly dialed in and have such long gaps in between each rep like if it was like hey like go out and kick 10 balls like you get the rhythm, you get, you know, right. it's easy, right? But then you have to go, you kick one, and you go stand on the sideline, and then you have to do a different kick for the kickoff, which is a completely different mechanic, right? And then the next time you might get that kick might be three hours from now. So staying warm, staying mentally dialed in, it's just extremely challenging. And, like, you know, by the end of my career, everyone was like, oh, like, I would love to be the kicker. You know, like, you go to a bar, and someone's like, I can be the kicker for, you know, whoever team you're playing for. And they're like, and I'm, it's just like, it's you have no idea how mentally taxing and challenging that is. So I think that if I was a head coach at some point in training camp, I would have a day like it'd be a fun activity, but also yeah. as kind of a point. Hey, everybody's kicking field goals today. 
and just <laughs> yeah. like my strength and conditioning coach would have a fit because he's afraid someone's going to tear a hamstring. But, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, I would do that just to be like, all right, now when, when Dustin misses a kick in, in November and everyone's mad, I want you to remember how bad you all were at it and have yeah. a little bit of grace. All right, let's move on. Let's go play football. Um, so I love, I love that word too, the grace, like, cause if people just could understand, like, just put you like empathize with that a little bit. Like, <laughs> right. I think it'd be like same thing with long snapper. Like I was the backup yeah. long snapper for two teams when I was playing. And I remember one time a guy, like he broke his finger and I was like, I have never been I've, maybe one other time, but like very, very terrified. I couldn't even snap the ball back. I was so nervous. And like, and I, I didn't even have to, like, it was in my full time. You know what I'm saying? It's just like right. it's the, all those guys have such a hard time and like a little bit of grace goes a long way for sure for sure um beyond the kicking game uh let's go back to the running game defensively um where where to you is the issue is it linebackers understanding kind of the flow of the play is it defensive linemen not eating up blocks is it safeties and corners not filling like what was there any consistency to the mistakes so like I think there's like there's like a synergy to the run game. There's like a, a like everyone has to work together in order to get it done, right? And so like I've got a couple of plays in my mind that I was really watching that stick out to me. And one I think, um, what it's just first off everyone needs to do their job, right? Like they're playing an eight man front, right? So like most teams have like seven gaps in the defense, right? So just imagine that everybody's got a gap and then there's one free player, right? And in the context of this game, I'm just like you know, sometimes guys are just getting bumped out of their gap a little bit and it makes this big seam. And then the linebacker has to kind of really overextend and try and make the play and he can't quite get there. And it's, it's very minute, small stuff. And some of it I think is like defensive structure. Like they put themselves in tough alignments and positions. And I think a little bit of that is just learning and getting more comfortable. Like Jamin, for example, like uh, there's times where, you know, there's three defenders to his, to his right. And there's five defenders to his left, right? And they have a and the offense has a fullback in the backfield, right? And with that fullback, you can add a gap to the left super easily, right? And then they'd easily be outmatched to the left. So he should like cheat his alignment over a little bit, just knowing like kind of basic stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I think that comes with preseason football. That comes with seeing new offenses, right? Like this team runs a little bit more outside zone as opposed to like the gap heavy stuff that Washington runs. So people got to keep that in mind too. Like you go through all offseason seeing gap runs, power, counter, you know, trap, all this stuff that's downhill right in your face. And all of a sudden now you get something that's a little bit lateral. The double teams are a little bit lateral. The the defensive linemen are a little bit late because they're used to like trying to penetrate through a double team. Now they got to move laterally with that same double team. It just plays different. And so kind of developing those those different methodologies for different schemes, I think is really important. And hopefully, like, over the course of the preseason, that's why this this time of year is super important because it's, like, live practice against different schemes throughout the NFL. Right. The patience involved to play zone run, you have to be on a string because if one guy gets yeah. out, of, out of gap, like, that, the back is not attacking. Like, in a gap scheme, the back is attacking a certain place. Like, obviously, he's got right. cutback lanes, whatever, but, like, he's really looking to get in the A gap, in the B gap, in the C gap. There's a zone. It's like, I don't know, where's the gap? <laughs> Like right. wh- yeah. wherever you make a mistake is where I'm going to go is the back. So the, the patience required there. And as you mentioned that alignment to keep everybody, you know, evenly spaced or properly spaced, however you'd want to put it to, to make sure there is no you know obvious gap to go through. So with, with all that said, if you are Jack and Ron and you're looking, you know, pretend the season started tonight, it's week one, like right. what's your, what's your rotation at linebacker with Bostic and his knowledge and his ability versus Davis and the upside, et cetera. 
Yeah, if I if I had to start him today, I'd probably put Bostic in the middle. I think like when you see Bostic on the field, like you know, obviously there's some limitations with him athletically. Like coming from a guy who was limited athletically when he played, like that's <laughs> not a knock on him. Right. He studies his face off. He knows what's going on. Like there's a clip where he's like waving Jamin over. Like he sees the fullback, he sees the thing, and he's like, "Get over here, move this way." Right. And like having that on the field, I think especially with a young player. Is so critical. And, you know, everyone talks about that defensive line, but there are some young guys in there too, right? So having that veteran in the middle, I think he's going to be if – I, if I had to do it today, gun to my head, Jay, um, Bostic would start in the middle, and Jamin would be Will. I think Will fits his skill set. Jamin, I'm talking about now, a little bit better, rangy, longer, more of a running kind of space position. So that's what I would do today. But I, I'm glad that they're kind of forcing this middle linebacker on him because it's going to force him to know a lot of stuff. And, like, one of the things that I liked in the evaluation of him was that he did play all three linebacker spots. So, like, let's make him learn all three. And I think that adds value to the to, to him, to the defense. It just um, – I don't think he's at his best right now because he's got so much to learn. No doubt. Just to round out the linebacker evaluations and also because Ron was asked about him and seemed fairly impressed, what, what did you see from Cole Holcomb in week one and, and where would you fit him in that mix of, of those yeah, two? Sam and Wilson, or, sorry, Mike and Will spots. Yeah, so I think – Colcom did a great job. I mean, like he missed a couple tackles, obviously, but like he he plays physically. He's a good athlete. Like maybe like sneaky athlete is maybe a better word. Like he, he doesn't like flash the same way, but I, he's he's like a he's a plus at the position, right? You feel good about him starting for you. The other guy who I was really impressed with was Kalik Hudson. Like he was all over the field. Like he showed good coverage skills. He should showed a nice physicality, a nice pop extension through the hips when he's defeating blocks and making tackles. And he's a guy that I would love to if they could find a way to get him on the field a little bit more because he is like an explosive playmaker. So those four guys, I was pretty impressed. You know, this is going to sound like I'm hating on Jamin Davis. Of those four, the guy was I was least impressed with was Jamin. But it's kind of stands to reason, right? He's playing in his first NFL preseason game. He's still learning a new defense. Like all of those factors are weighing in here. And, I, you know, I hope he gets it figured out because like in the offseason evaluation, like, I thought he could be defensive rookie of the year. You know what I mean? Behind this defensive line in this defense. Uh, so hopefully he kind of, he finds his stride. He starts feeling more comfortable and everyone starts feeling really good about it. I don't think he played bad by any stretch of the imagination. It just wasn't where I thought based on the film that he could be. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Two last things on the way out, tight end wide receiver. Um, obviously tight end, um, the big story coming out of, I guess it was yesterday's practice. Samis Reyes is in the concussion yeah. protocol, so he's not going to play. But I was impressed with with what I saw from him. The bobbles, you know, can get straightened out over time. But I, one, he just lo- looks the part in pads. And there's something yeah. about football players in pads where they go from like very large humans to superheroes. And like he definitely fit that even on television next to the other superheroes. Yeah. Uh, but then the physicality that he brought to the run game, um, I, I was really impressed with that. So wh- what do you make of a, how he did and B how this concussion um, affects his status going forward. And I know when we talked last, you thought it was going to be hard to sneak him on the practice squad. Like, obviously, a concussion's really bad. It's a brain bruise. I'm not trying to downplay that. But in terms of, you know, just surely through the lens of does he make the roster or can they get him on a practice squad, could this wind up helping him get there? Um, I think so. I, I think – so, first off, let's talk about the game. First off, I think he did a really nice job. I mean, obviously, there's stuff that – you kind of say, oh, he could do better with this. He could do better, like he bobbled the ball, like he, his footwork's not great, his hand placement's not great. But like one of the things that you see, and this is what one of the things you always question with people making the transition to the position, is 
what is their physicality level like? And like you already mentioned, like he played physical football. You know what I mean? He was in there, his face is on people. He's he's not always taking the best angles. He's not always doing like technically the right thing, but it, at least that piece is there. And so you say, okay, like he's got all of these physical measurables, right? He's big, he's strong, he's tall. He can jump, all those things. And he's got some physical, he's not afraid of the contact. Now this is something he can work with. Now he can play on teams. Now he can make maybe have a rotational role at the position. It's never going to be excellent from a technical standpoint, but at least you know that he's not afraid to do it. So I think that's a huge milestone that he showed he's overcome, right? Obviously, again, things need to be improved technically, catching the football, hand placement, foot placement, first step, understanding angles, all the still a long way to go. But I think if I'm a head coach, I say I would feel comfortable with him being the third or fourth guy on the team because of what he showed in the game. Now he's got a concussion, so you don't get to see if he can build technically from those things, right? Is he Has he improved in the week? Does he understand a little bit about what you're trying to do? Um, so, yeah, maybe that does help you get him on the practice squad. I think it's still tough. You know what I mean? Ideally, you'd want him yeah. to get hurt. Like This is going to sound terrible, but you want him to get hurt in the third game. <laughs> And then, right. like, have them not practice. You know what I'm saying? Like, so that you you could kind of run that into the season if you needed to. But, I, I'm you know, I work with Sammy's. I'm so proud of him and, like, knowing his story and his journey. Like, I'm sure, like, everyone does. He, he did himself uh, a great service. And he did the country of Chile a great service. Like, all those things. So, um, I, I hope he gets better quickly because, like you said, maybe they're playing a lot of football in the third preseason game. Yeah, that'd be great for him. Um, and I think he's proven like he's going to be an NFL player. Um, yeah. You know, how quickly, I, I don't know how quickly he contributes. I don't know, but like that dude's going to be an NFL football player. And that's pretty remarkable. That's exactly right. I think that's that's what it showed you. It's like it's all there for him to to be it. It's just got to It's going to take a time, but at least at least it's there. You know, the, the pieces are there. All right. What are your feelings on Logan Thomas? He's a tight end named Logan. Like, is he coming for your, yes. your, your, you know, your prime spot is the best tight end named Logan ever in Washington football team history. Are you he's upset already, about that? Are you happy for him? Like, I, I want the truth. He's already like way surpassed anything that I ever would have <laughs> done, you know? So I'm for him. He's a guy that I, I've, I've kind of followed for some reason, you know, when he made yeah. the switch to quarter, from quarterback to tight end, you just watch his games and you kind of watch his technique, watch his progression. And when they signed him here, I thought it was a really nice signing because I thought yeah. he's been a guy who's gotten better each year. And so, you know, to know the journey, to know the struggle that he's been through, like being kind of a fringe roster guy for a couple of years and now to be the guy, have some money for his family, a nice contract laid out, like so happy for him. And he seems like he's playing better. Like that catch he had in the game, I know that's one catch, but you know, that's like big boy, like top 10 and top 10 tight ends in the NFL type stuff. And hopefully he can keep growing and keep getting better. And it, from all things we've seen so far, it seems like he has. Now we got to watch the next couple of games and see if that continues, but I'm super happy for him. Yeah. And you'd hope that, you know, you'd think too, that, that the guys on the outside are going to make his life a little bit easier because some of these, you know, the, like when Jordan was here, obviously Jordan got doubled all the time because right. he was, incredible and he was the only dude that was a threat for large stretches when he was here and healthy um right. but you know with with logan thomas like he's never going to be the number one threat because of terry because of curtis because of some of the potential for right. big plays of some of these other guys on the outside so we'll see how that 
that coverage gets dictated to, to isolate him in favorable matchups and, and ultimately get used. Um, real quickly, speaking of wide receiver, um, they they move on from Kelvin Harmon, which I'm sure was tough, but also like I, I, I do appreciate the fact that they did that quickly because again, he's an NFL player. Like he belongs on a team. He's really, right. I think he can contribute, you know, back in receiver rotation stuff and, and probably a team's guy, but um, like he, he can run routes and he's physical and he's got decent hands and, you know, good for him if he catches on somewhere else, but they've got Cam Sims. They've got some other guys that they like Antonio Gandy golden. They're trying to figure out what to do with him. Has anything clarified for you based off what you've seen in practice and obviously game one. And what are you looking for at that position tonight to get even more clarity as they try to get it down to at least seven, if not six. Right. So, so the thing that was really surprising to me about the first preseason game was the receiver rotation, right? So you had uh, Terry, um, you had Cam Sims, with the ones and then Humphreys. So the three right mm-hmm. there group, I thought AGG would be in this next group, but it was De'Ami Brown, Steve Sims and Andre Carter. And so to me, they're your, and then you got to remember Curtis Samuel. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think though that's your seven right there. Anybody who was not in that group is either going to go to practice squad or going to be released. So like you got um, Max, the kid from BYU. Like, I think he's a really good player. He's looked good in practice probably a practice squad guy because he's yeah, going back up yeah. Humphreys, I would think. The guy that's a little surprising to me, like I mentioned, is AGG. Like when I went to practice, he started to show some signs of life. Big body guy, making plays, like 50-50 catches. Uh, but then when you watch the game, like he really struggled versus press coverage, and that's something that he's got to improve if he's going to play. You know, I saw them working him in a lot on teams, and maybe that's they're trying to see if he can do that, you know, because one of the things that uh, Steve Sims can't do is he can't play teams. He, I mean – he probably could, but like as a returner, you know, and now they bring in Andre Carter to be that returner and he looked pretty solid. I've played with him in San Francisco and in Houston as a return specialist and he does a good job. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be hard for him to beat him out there, especially if that's why you bring him into camp, you know? Um, and so like, to me, I think it's the guy, the, the guy that I think is most interesting is that Steve Sims is working in with that second group there, you know? And I was, a guy, there was a guy I thought was kind of, out of the out of the running totally i thought he had totally lost the support of the staff but there he is looking like he might be part of the rotation and then obviously like i think the other guy that you got to look at is agg like what does he do tonight like because you'd like to see him kind of step up and start making some plays how does he handle press coverage can he play it, or is the light just too big for him because i think he's got some nice qualities and potential and he's the most interesting of that kind of back half group if he doesn't show it, he doesn't show it. And then what happens with him then? Yeah, no, that makes sense. Dax Milne, uh, too, is is a guy that I was yes, really impressed yes. with in that that game. And I'm I'm curious what happens tonight with him. Like, can he can he butt his way into that conversation with Sims and Carter for that like backup slot returner or whatever spot? We'll see. Um, he was he was good, but like he's also seventh round pick. You can probably get on practice squad, and right. fans will get super mad, and then he'll stay on practice squad the whole year, and maybe he'll be a player next year, or like they won't even like him by next camp because they'll be like, ah, right. there's a new guy because that happens right. every single year. Um, Logan, this was great as always. Uh, again, can't wait to to do this. You know, leading up to games during the regular season. Yeah. Much appreciate the time, and uh, we'll see everybody next week, Monday, training camp live next Friday. Kevin Sheehan's going to be on the pod, so that'll be fun. I already got that scheduled. Uh, and until then, uh, thanks for listening to Washington Training Camp Live. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.